On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Corey from the Showdown Podcast. When I'm not talking about movies, I'm listening to Set Lusting with Bruce. And welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and tonight we are taking a side road. Uh, We are getting off the Springsteen train, and instead we're doing the family train. Um, Last year, my sister Rita was nice enough to sit down with me and kind of do an episode and my wonderful brother dean is saying hey i can talk too and i'm so thrilled that dean and i've worked out our schedules and he's joining me how you doing dean doing good jesse how are you doing I am great. Am I allowed to call you JW? Yes, you are. You certainly can. Um, okay. So, uh, Dean and I are 10 years apart. Um, so, I am the big brother. He is the little brother. Um, and we talk a lot about the show, about that sibling you know, relationship, and especially in terms of music. And I think we'll get to that in a little bit. But I wanted to start out with, you know, what do you remember growing up in our house as kids, the music that got played in our house? Well, first of all, I have to go ahead and say that, yeah, there was a a generation gap, definitely. But it's very weird. My my memories of the family is, of course, of... uh, Mom would always have her Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. I know Rita talks about that. Yeah. Rita was always some teeny bopper thing. 
But the very first musical influence I remember from you when I was barely a past being a toddler was uh, Kiss Destroyer. You had the Kiss Destroyer 8-track. by, of course, the front cover and the theatrics of that. Um, and then, of course, uh, from my father, or our father, dad, was where I got... In between him and you were the ones that pretty much concreted what I would eventually always listen to in music. Something with a story to it. And uh, something, uh, I don't know, true? Yeah. Uh, something stronger? Um... With uh, and with you, of course, the uh, Bruce Springsteen was obvious, but there was also uh, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. There was also Son and Garfunkel. Um, there was God, there was a lot of great memories uh, in that Plymouth era that we always talk about. Um, yeah. And with Dad, it was uh, everything from Sam Cooke. Uh, to the Beatles, to uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Merle Haggard, and uh, and then as I whenever I got older, which I also thought was an interesting thing that we had a dynamic. The way the divorce fell. Uh, whenever I talk about that, I'm talking about the man that I went to live with as a teenager. Right. Uh, that I didn't, I wasn't really brought up around him when I was a child. And when you talk about that, it's the man that you were brought up with around as a child and didn't, you know, live with during your teenage years. And uh, so um, a lot of that also was like, uh, I would listen to and hear a song by, um, uh, like, for instance, uh, Heart rain's gonna fall. Yeah, and um, and I, I would just be like, "Wow, this is just like an amazing song." And he's just like, "Yeah, that uh, little Jewish kid can play a good guitar." Yeah, and then go ahead and uh, and uh, and talk about you know, um, and all of a sudden my mind is blank. I cannot think of the uh, uh, artist. And uh, so that was a really interesting. And there was a. Uh, a lot of songs uh, later on that he would introduce me to and uh, stuff that he would uh, talk about, and I would go and I, I would find Jim Croce, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a great point, Dean, is 
with the 10 years between us and and not just the age gap and the you know like I you know I was born in 59 you were born in 69 um so different genres of growing up but our parents divorced I guess in 74 75 somewhere around that I was about a sophomore in high school um somewhere around that freshman or sophomore high school and so you spent you know and then you guys had you know you lived with dad for a while in Kentucky while I was you know I guess already you know moved out on my own so a very different relationship right definitely and uh uh, and, I'm, and of course, I want to focus on music, but uh, I always talk to all my friends and uh, when we're talking about um, the past, it's always the uh, same thing. There's two things I got from my brother and my uh, father. Yeah. I love for music and I love for Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, both were... And it wasn't just, you know, here, this is nice music, this is thing to listen to. I remember uh, early on, you and Rita talking uh, about how me, a movie scene is like, imagine this if you didn't have the background music. Yeah. The music completes the scene. Yeah. You know, um, and uh, I think you were the first person I ever heard the phrase, uh, being the soundtrack of our lives and yeah and i you know i i think the other thing is you know you don't mean to at times like i never was you know trying to influence you or sis on i just was just you know we're in my car and whether it was the 63 mercury meteor that had an eight track tape or the first you know new car i bought a plymouth arrow that had no air conditioning, that's right, I bought a car living in southwest Louisiana, you know, without air conditioning because I wanted a standard, um, you know, just listening to music and sharing with my brother and my sister, you know, songs that I liked. Um, and, and so I, I do remember you going through a phase of, you know, I, I was loving Kiss as a senior in high school, and so, of course, that makes you about seven, eight, something around that. So, you know, and what's not to love about Kiss, right? I mean, it's it's loud, it's got a great beat, and they all, you know, they 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 dress like superheroes. And uh, and we got uh, we had the Kiss comic book, or you had the Kiss comic book. Yeah, we so did. I had the Kiss comic book. Yeah, and, and I, I, completely, I had completely forgot that the Fire Arrow didn't have AC. Yeah, um, and, uh, but we didn't care. I mean, we just we, you know, that was uh, that was freedom. That was that was uh, that was our Millennium Falcon. That was our Serenity. That was that was our uh, that was our ride. And I I, I know I, I like go way overboard and wax poetic, but uh, growing up, we did have a somewhat troubled home. I mean, it was yeah. it was very loving and caring home, and you know, but there were there were there were uh, frustrating times or um, scary times or whatever, or there was for me as a little kid, and uh, and that's you know what I remember is just uh, Big Brother. Go ride in the fire arrow. 
uh, and it was always off to the next adventure, uh, you know, um, going to see a new movie or whatever. And the music was always there. And it was always loud, and it was always beautiful. Yeah, you know? I, I, I don't think you're being overly dramatic at all. I, I think all, I think to a certain degree, all teenagers, you know, when you get your license and you can drive a car, that it does feel like freedom. And, and I do agree, it's the Enterprise, it's the Millennium Falcon, you know, it's in modern era, it's it's your serenity, you know, to, to bring it a little more current. And yeah, I mean, I, I I think mom and dad did the best they could, and and as a parent, you and I both know how hard it is. We're both parents, and we know how difficult it is to to be there for our kids and to not take our quote unquote mess of our lives and throw it onto our parents. You know, one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen lines is he says, "If I have one wish in this whole damn world, that your mistakes would be your own." And, um, you know, I think about that with Chris, and I'm sure you think about that with Tara, that, you know, I know you're going to F it up, but, you know, just, I hope you F it up your own way, that you don't copy, you can learn from me a little bit. Um, So, yeah, you know, and I I remember just, you know, throwing the cassette or the A-track in and us singing along and, and laughing and joking and, and it's just a wonderful memory, um, and, I, and I'm glad you th- you have that same memory that I do, and that's just really nice. And of course, being a, being a child, some of it I got wrong because uh, the other day I tried to do the math, and I was just like, "Yeah, that car brought us home from seeing Star Wars." And it's like, well, no, it couldn't have because he wouldn't have had the car. Right. And we saw Star Wars, and it was like, you know, but I do know, and uh, again, I don't want to get too off in the subject, but uh, that car brought me on the one of the greatest weekends of my life whenever I was a kid. Uh, went and saw Escape from New York, and then we barely had enough time, and we got to see the uh, Reservoir start minus the first five minutes. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we played great music along the way. And also, other things like uh, one time I don't remember what I was sad about, and uh, it was one of the first times I'd ever heard Simon Garfunkel did a Silent Night cover. Right. I remember it made me cry, or I was crying about something, and you just let me cry. Again, that's also the great part about music. It was, uh, 
uh, there's a wonderful line from uh, the, the, that movie High Fidelity. You know, it set, was it, I'm, I'm hopeless romantic because the sad songs are my. Uh, uh, the sad songs make me a hopeless romantic. Yeah. Or something along those lines. No, I, you know? I know it. Yeah, it's exactly. It is a great line, and you know, a wonderful, you know, movie talking about you know top fives and and lists. <laughs> the other thing that. Um, not only do we have a love of Star Trek that we share together, so not so much the modern reboot. You you are a little more skeptical of that than I, and we that'll be a we'll do another podcast about that. But you, I don't think anybody wants to hear that argument. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's not bad argument. You know, I, I've often thought about, and if I'd given you enough time, and we may do this a different time. Um, you and I both have a deep, almost fanatical love of Aaron Sorkin's writing. I mean, you know, yes. we 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 both adore Sports Night and West Wing, and 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 even to you know his yeah. you know the newsroom and, and Studio sixty, and and I I embrace the the flaws of all his work, but I just the the words are just music to me and you know i've often thought about if i had ever been on a a podcast talking about great tv moments and music you know there's three or four scenes in um you know aaron sorkin sports nights and west wings that would make my list you know because if I may, number number one. Yeah. From uh, Jeremy gets the call. Yes. And he has a wonderful speech afterwards. And uh, 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 good God, I can't think of uh, Robert Guillaume. Yeah. I was about to call him Vincent. Robert Guillaume and him have that wonderful scene where basically it's like you know, no, if you're going to work for me, you're going to have to tell me your opinion, especially if you disagree with me. Right. And uh, afterwards. Uh, he's left alone in the office and he's calling his father to be like, you know, I got the call. And in the background, there's a song by uh, the Pretenders or Chrissy Hine. I'm not sure if it's just Chrissy Hine or but anyway, uh, him for her. Yeah. That I've never heard up until I saw that episode. And the song has almost nothing to do with the scene, but yet the music is absolutely perfect for that scene. And, uh, and, and, and since then, that has become one of my favorite songs. Why didn't you tell us how you felt about hunting when we gave you this? Because you told me you spoke to Mark Sabbath at USA Today. Yeah, In fact, it? I know you must have spoken to him before you ever hired me. Well, of course I did. I also spoke to Dave Heller at the Free Press and Tom Monahan at the Sacramento Bee. And they all said pretty much the same thing. Yes, they all said that Jeremy Goodwin was a bright guy with a world-class understanding of popular sports, but that he didn't quite fit in, and there was little chance that he'd advance in their organization. To respect, Mr. Jaffe, but I have $80,000 in college loans to pay back. My instincts told me to shut the hell up and do what I was told. Your instincts were wrong. Not fitting in is how qualified people lose jobs. Yeah, but a lot of the time, it's how they end up working here. Now, you had an obligation to tell us how you felt. Partly because I don't like getting a phone call saying I put one of my people in the hospital. But mostly because if you feel that strongly about something, you have a responsibility to try and change my mind. 
Did you think I would fire you simply because you made a convincing argument? It's taken me a lot of years, but I've come around to this. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. I'm an awfully smart man, and Mark Sabbath is an idiot. He had you, and he blew it. You're going to do great here. But you got to trust us. You fit in on your own time. When you come to work for me, you show up to play. I'm going home. You don't know us very well. So if it's hard trusting us at the beginning, maybe it'll help to know that we trust you. Good night. I'll see you Monday. Good night. Into your room. I've heard it's lined with the things you don't show. Lay me beside you down on the floor I've been your lover from the womb to the tomb I dress as your daughter when the moon becomes Hi dad, round. it's me No, nothing's wrong Just wanted to tell you gone. something nice happened at work today I got the call She will You know, Dean, what's what's amazing is um, I probably do not go a week without quoting to someone, if you're dumb, you surround yourself with smart people. If you're smart, you surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. I think, not I think, that is one of the mantras I use in my management life. So that's hilarious that you bring that up. I will tell you, my number, I've got a couple, but in the discussion is um, the apology. And when Dan gives that heartbreaking story about his little brother, and yes, he's dying, yes, yes, yes. and and you're you're waiting, and Dan kind of goes, and Casey reaches over to talk to him, and you just know Casey is going to give him some wonderful words of advice or friendship, and he goes, he starts talking about the Starland Vocal Band, which was a callback. From earlier in the episode, and they start playing that song. I, I cry every time. Just, just go ahead. Just, <laughs> just put me in the corner. I'm loving. I'm just crying away at that. I have a younger brother named Sam. Sam's a genius. I mean, literally. As a kid, he tested off the charts. The first computer I ever had, he built from a kid he bought with money he earned tutoring other kids in math. It's Energetic and articulate, curious and funny. A great source of pride to our parents. And there's no doubt that he'd be living a great life right now, except for that he's dead. Because when you're 14 years old, all you ever really want to be when you grow up is your 16-year-old brother. And in my case, that meant smoking a lot of dope. The day I went off to college was the day that Sam got his driver's license. And he celebrated by taking a drive with some of his friends. Drunk and high as a paper kite. He never saw the red light that he ran. And 
he probably never saw the 18-wheel truck that put him into the side of a brick bank either. That was 11 years ago tonight. And I just wanted to say, I'm sorry, Sam. You deserve better in my hands. And I apologize. That's all. Casey and I will be right back after this with the American League wrap-up. You're watching Sports Night on CSC, so don't go away. We're out. Can I just say one more thing about the Starland Vocal Band? Sure. 1978, they win the Grammy for Best New Artist. You know who they beat? Elvis Costello. Now, is it your belief that Elvis Costello isn't cool? No, it's my belief that the Grammy voters aren't cool. No, they don't. I've been trying to tell you. Who else isn't cool that I thought was cool? Is Nicholson cool? Oh, yeah, Nicholson's cool. JD Sound? Yes. Muppets? Yes, but not cool. It's a subtle distinction. You gotta feel it. Zan Fear, master of the pan Very, very cool. Really? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, is, uh, I usually will go ahead and slam like trolls on the internet and be like, but. And Sorkin made Starline's vocal band cool. Yeah. Kiss my... <laughs> no, I'm yeah. my language, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry. There's no... There are moves to it. Because it really is, at the end of that scene, it's like one of the more cheesier songs. Yeah. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with a cheesy song. I mean... Uh, exactly. The Blue Colada song is probably one of the cheesiest written songs about, you know, cheating on your spouse, but yet how many times has it been used? Right. It's just that one. It's uh, the internet. That's another one of those moments where it's like the music is just so perfect. Yeah. With the scene. Um, it, and, totally, uh, it is. Um, we'll both do some research and come up with it because, um, you know, um, John Hyatt's have a little faith in me in Studio 60 during the birth scene where they're talking about the, you know, where, you know, the character. So I have a question for you. I did want to ask you a question. You have been very clear that uh, Downbound Train is your favorite Springsteen song. Tell me why. Tell me about that song, why that meant so much to you. For some reason, and, and I guess it's worth mentioning, um, <clears throat> my favorite song of all time is um, uh, uh, Baker Street. Okay. Okay. And, uh, and Downbound Train is also, uh, and Downbound Train to me is, is it's the ultimate Bruce Springsteen song, which I found, since found out, because originally we were going to do, in my opinion, on like all these Bruce Springsteen songs, right. and, and I couldn't get it. Right. But there's, I mean, it's, it's Springsteen, I feel like an idiot, because I'm like, you know. Um, but to me, uh, John Mellencamp, uh, that sort of thing, you know, uh, I love stories. Okay, well, real quick, uh, Spider-Man was my favorite superhero growing up, and you uh, have problems with him, which we could go into later on. There's yeah. a point to this. 
my thing about it that I love is it's it's the it's the average uh, guy, the guy who reached out for a dream, it didn't work out, and he just has to live. And his life, in a lot of ways, is pain and hell, but he still survives. Right. He still continues. Um, I heard Downbound Train long before I ever went through a divorce. Okay. And again, it's one of those deals that the music makes reality or the reality make music. Um, but for some reason, it spoke to me, and it was just like, uh, I understand it to the core. It's just, you know... Uh, I had a job, I had a girl, had something going Mr. in this world, you know. Um, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, uh, I had a life. I was someone. Yeah. And I was someone because not only, you know, I served a purpose and someone loved me. And then you took that away from me, but I'll still keep struggling on. I'll still keep uh, surviving. Okay. Uh, you, can't, you can't kill me. You can't stop me. Okay. Um, and uh, and I believe that's you know, um, you know, back in the eighties, whenever uh, and I'm not trying to get political, but Reagan was going to use uh, "Born in the USA," and Bruce Springsteen fans around the world like, really? That's you know, yeah. it totally is. You don't get the message, right? Exactly. One of the most misunderstood songs of all times, not just of Springsteen, but just period. But uh, I believe that's the uh, uh, it's the end of Moscow on the Hudson uh, movie. If you're familiar with that one, it's the same thing. It's like you know, yes, there is all these problems. Yes, there was a war that was unfair, and my brother got killed. And yes. I can't get a job at the uh, factory. But you know what? Yes, I still love this country dearly. This is still the land of opportunity. And just because it doesn't work out for me, it doesn't mean that it's still not great. Yes. And, uh, and, um, and, and uh, I am American. I am, uh, I'm still fighting. I'm still struggling. I'm still doing what I have to do because what other choice is there? You know, uh, mm -hmm. I love those songs. I love those characters. Uh, those are the ones that always spoke to me. Yeah. Plus, also, let's face it, Downbound Train, which I, I, I have to admit, I was disappointed when I saw it live a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Not a lot. It was still okay. a beautiful moment. It was one of the best moments, but it has one of the best drum lines ever. Mm -hmm. And... I just was w almost waiting for that uh, 80s hair metal, heavy metal, lose himself, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Little Bell off the Muppet show, beating the hell out of drums, you know. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, it just has that just hard-hitting, you know. Um, and, and, you know, so, yes, I, I um, dearly love that song. And, uh, no. it's completely surprised when people don't know it. Yeah, now, and, the other, you know, we aren't going to go through all the songs, but I, I will, if you remember, and if you don't, that's okay. But, um, you know, the song list I give to newbies includes Jack of All Trades. And, um, you know, we, another one is Highway Patrolman, and I am very clear you know, that 
I think Johnny Cash's version of Highway Patrolman is better than Bruce Springsteen's. And in fact, you know, kind of like Johnny Cash took Hurt and made it his song, I think he took Highway Patrolman and made it his song. But... I, oh, no, it's fine. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. That was, that was one of my most embarrassing moments whenever I, I sent you that road up, right up. Yeah. And I'm like, he's going to hate me for this because I was just like, you know, this Johnny Cash right And that's not a slam on Bruce Springsteen uh, because I've heard Springsteen do songs that I so much preferred Springsteen's version right. than the original. Yeah. It was still such a great written song. And uh, I so wanted, you know, uh, even when I heard the first time, I was like, God, it'd be great if there was like a Johnny Cash home, Ball Haggard, even a Willie Nelson did this. Yeah. And then we find out that Johnny Cash did cover it. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, I no, no. I feel so relieved that you had the same experience. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I just, it is just, it, it just elevated the song. I mean, with, with you know, Cash's, you know, experience and his voice, and it was just, Something amazing. But um, I had told you that I had a story about Jack of All Trades. And um, when I first heard the song, it made me think of our stepfather, Kenneth. Um, Because I think, not think, you know, Kenneth was, you know, Papa Kenneth, as the kids call him. You know, we just usually call him Kenneth you know, was a guy that was good at almost anything fixing around the house. I mean, you know, he could take a car and make it work and, and repair your roof and and install a tape deck or, or, you know, whatever you needed him to do, he could do. And And to hear that song, I picture him talking to our mom and and then to have the twist at the end where he says, and if I had a gun, I'd shoot the bastards all dead. Kind of like, what? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> that took an ugly turn. Um, did the song remind you of uh, Kenneth at all? Uh, no, but it, uh, um, I guess it should have, but uh, it just reminded me a lot of, uh, my friends uh, that I have that, you know, quote-unquote white trash, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I've, I've just got oh, so much in life. Yeah. Uh, being paranoid is it, you know, is it being paranoid or is it just being proactive? Yeah. You know, this is a guy who's had it and taken from him in life. Uh, of course, he wants to carry a gun because he's scared shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm sorry for going. No, no, that's okay. You know, uh, uh, that's what I got from it. And, and again, it, and it's more of a carryover into the, uh, you know, like I said, the quintessential Bruce Springsteen song. Um, and again, I swear I was going to get political. I just throw this out there and you can edit it out later on. Cause, uh, it's weird. The, the largest group of people who back Donald Trump um, would be a character in a Bruce Springsteen song, and Bruce Springsteen was definitely, if anything, anti Donald Trump. So it's uh, kind of unusual. It, you, it, know, it, you know that that actually is a very 
good point. I mean, that the idea of, um, you know, people trying to, you know, make their way in through this, this new world. And, um, you know, I say many times on the podcast that I think in another life, you know, Bruce Springsteen would have been a Southern preacher, um, you know, because a lot of his songs have that gospel, you know, feeling of, you know, we're going to be okay and working it. Um, I do find it ironic that, um, you know, there is a lot of people wanting a better life. And, you know, that's, I think, where a lot of people, you know, put their faith in the Republican Party and this administration. And as you said, we're not going to get political. Uh, you know, I don't know where they are now. I I hope for the best that they are making the right decisions for everyone. Um, but it is kind of weird that um, the characters of Bruce Springsteen's songs would vote for him, even though Bruce would not. So, um I, I I won't keep you too much longer. It's uh, but you did you said you had a story that you remember the first time I played Bruce Springsteen for you. Now I do not remember this. Um, to kind of set the stage, as we talked about, Dean is ten years younger than I am. Um, I remember being obsessed with Kiss and the Beach Boys when I graduated from high school, and I did not, I mean, I was a casual Bruce fan, and I don't remember becoming obsessed till I saw him live in 2002. So I am really curious about this memory you have that must have been, you know, late 70s, whatever. Do you, How old were you? Do you remember what grade you were in or how old you were? Sorry. The story goes... Um I was about 12 or 13, and one of the biggest tracks on the radio at the time was Centerfold by the Jay Giles Band. Okay, I certainly, a great song that's so much fun. And our next door neighbor, Tim uh, Fontenot, uh, it was Timmy, but he prefers Tim. I don't know if he'll ever listen, but anyway. Um, for some reason, the three of us were in the fire arrow going somewhere. Okay. I know I was in the I was in the back. Okay. And uh, we were listening to it uh, and uh, cranking it up, going down the road, you know, uh, windows down, which now I know was because we had no AC. <laughs> I didn't even remember that, but that's it. Okay. Um. And at one point in time, the song, uh, uh, there's a countdown. Right. Uh, my blood was called one, two, three. My blood was cold. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you screwed up the count. Okay. You were driving and you screwed up the count, and you're like, okay, well, I don't know that, but I know Bruce Springsteen. And you, you threw the eject. Yeah. And it was one of those spring loaded ejects. So the like the cassette went into the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> and you grabbed um, uh, someone who I didn't know. And I'm sure I, this is being the early 80s. And even as. Rural as our upbringing was, I'm sure I'd heard Bruce Springsteen before, but it's the first time I know when you put uh, Born to Run. Okay. And played Born to Run, and of course, you know, 
um, with the great break where it goes, you know, where he plays the music and then he goes in. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and how is Sam's broken music? Yes. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, played it. And, uh, I remember at the time that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't catchy, it wasn't poppy, but it was something that was important. I knew there was something important that I was listening to. How And then, like you, like you said, a couple of years later, uh, Born to Run broke loose, and all of a sudden, everybody knew Bruce yeah. Springsteen. And, uh, and you know, uh, which also, I just want to throw this out there. There's a lot of acts, like, for instance, uh, we talked about Kiss. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, uh, it's interesting that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley and stuff uh, still like going out there and doing it. And uh, if they're happy doing it, I mean, I'm not trying to to make fun of them. I'm just like it, it's there's a little bit of a sad element to the fact that it's like you know uh, you almost want to be like you know let it go. Yeah, holding on to it has made you comical. And uh, it's really kind of strange that Bruce Springsteen went from being, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen with a huge background following, had more to run hit, became the largest act. Yeah, I mean, you could make the argument, right, that Madonna, Michael Jackson, Bruce Springsteen, and Prince, the four biggest stars of the 80s. Definitely, and and then and then the largest live draw, uh, actually, in my entire lifetime, I don't think there's ever been anyone that's been more of a live draw uh, consistently. You um, uh, two and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And so that was actually, you know. Yeah, I I, um, I I think you're right, and and you're not just playing to my core audience. The I think the truth is, and I've said this many times, you know, that, um, you know, he is doing three, three and a half hour shows, sometimes four, and he, it's a different set list every, set list every night, which is, you know, by the way, I did want to publicly thank you for asking the question about the name of the show. It gave me a great chance to explain it, and, and I really appreciate you asking the question, um, you know, so versus, um, you know, Kiss is going out there and doing it, you know, or even the Beach Boys, who I love. It's a greatest hits 90 minute show. And, uh, you know, they're it's almost on autopilot, right, that they're just going out and we'll play the hits. And now then, thank you for our money. Let's move on. And, yeah. and Bruce, you think, at least I'm biased, and it sounds like you're feeling the same thing, is even it, in his late 60s, is still trying to prove something, still trying to make a statement, still trying to be an artist in his performance. Uh, okay, well, uh, wow, that's actually, okay. I would say the exact opposite. He's just doing what he what he does. Yeah. I, I didn't actually get that from it. I got the exact opposite. Okay. I was just, he was totally unfazed from what I've seen. And again, I'm not nearly as yeah. a fan you are. From everything I've seen, interviews and everything else. It's like the Kennedy Award honors. Yeah. Whenever they're doing the whole thing. 
And you have the president of the United States sitting, you know, next to you being like, you know, I had to become president because I couldn't become the boss. Yeah. You know? Totally unfazed by it. And he's just like, you know, look, I'm just here to make music. Yeah. I enjoy this. This is what I do. And you know, this is this. Is, I'm a one-trick pony. This is all I've got. You know, and I and totally, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, the, I'm always amazed by Bruce Springsteen's uh, real humility. The the actual uh, humility of the fact that it's like you know, this is who I am. He's completely self-aware. And and I of like this is who I am. This sort of thing. Yeah. And I think we're saying the same thing in different ways. You know, he, you know, what I do is I, I, I play music. You know, um, I know for a while there was a Christian band you liked. I can't remember the name, but it stuck with oh, me. Oh, no, 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 let's not go there. No, but there was a point where, it, well, but you had said, you know, <laughs> they, you know, we play for God. And then they just went into the music, and and you know, and I think Bruce is like, you know, I I play because that's what I do, you know. I, I don't know yeah. any other way to do it except just to do it, and um, and I truly think he is out there and the rest of the E Street Band because they still love what they do, and you know whether it's a crowd of fifty or. Fifty thousand, you know, I, they're just playing because they love to play together, and uh, and I think that's very cool. Um, it's, um, yeah. One quick, uh, one quick question. I'm sorry. No? Uh, again, you could edit this out if you want. Um, God, uh, has, has Springsteen and Gilmore ever done anything from? You know who I'm talking about? Uh, David Gilmore from. I do not think they have worked together. Um, you know, I, I was... I No, I don't know that he has. I know, you know, speaking of, uh, I had a guy on the show, and, you know, when Prince died, uh, Bruce and them did Purple Rain. Uh, when Glenn Fry died, he did a cover of Take It Easy. Uh, when David Bowie died, he did a David Bowie song, and I really was hoping that when Merle Haggard died, that he was going to do a Haggard song, and he didn't. And I'm I'm really sad about that because I think I've shared with you, um, when Merle Haggard died, I felt like we lost Dad all over again. <laughs> I had yeah. I had a sense of sadness that was ridiculous for a musician, but it truly did feel like. You know, Dean and I and my sister Rita, you know, we lost our dad on, of all days, <laughs> September 11th, 2011. So you're already pretty emotional on 9-11, and then we, you, it is now the anniversary of our father's death. So <laughs> that gives you a whole other case of emotions on that day. Um, and... And also, also losing, uh, we lost him, like, right after we lost him on Nemo. Yes. And, and so that, that to me was the one that was just like, you know, um, there's a, there's a wonderful, and I'm sorry again. No, no, uh, you're good. Out there. There's a wonderful scene, uh, Grey's Anatomy, mm -hmm. not my 
preferred type show. But yes. I loved it anyway. Uh, there's a character that loses his uh, father, and uh, he's comforted by um, kind of the snarky character. Yeah. And I actually wish I knew all these characters' names. Uh, and um, there's a great scene where she talks about, you know, there's a, this club called the Dad Dad's Club, and you can't join until you're actually, you know, you can't be a member until you're actually a member. Yeah. You know, you can try to sympathize, you can try to juggle loss, but, you know, until you know that loss, uh, you, you can't understand it. And he looks at her and says, you know, I don't know how to live in a world where my dad doesn't, you know, exist. Yeah. Um, and she's like, yeah, that never goes away. Right. And uh, and that's, you know, that was, that was what I got from it. Whenever all that happened was it was just, you know... Um, I want to call dad and talk to him about it. Yeah. And, and you know, no matter how many years, still well, yeah. I mean, um, you and I both, um, you know, for all the grief that Jersey girl got from Kevin Smith, um, it came on oh, right man. after we had lost Kenneth and the yeah. Ben Affleck and George Carlin, you know, relationship, you and I both talked and we said, I felt like, um, Kevin was dealing, his father's loss was all over that movie. And, uh, so I, you know, I'm right there with you that, uh, you know, um, it's, it's there and, and it's something that, um, you know, we've each dealt with our grief and, and there's joy and there's happiness in this music and more happiness than sad but there is a little bit of you know emotion that you know I get and I go wow that was that that made me think of dad you know or that made me think of yep. Kenneth oh, man dean we're getting mm-hmm. serious on us <laughs> well I, I okay if we're going to do it let's go all the way yeah. uh a song that is not written sad whatsoever, but I cannot to this day since Dad passed away. Listen to Me and Paul by uh, Willie Nelson. Well, it's been rough and rocky traveling, but I'm finally standing upright on the ground. And after taking several readings, I'm surprised to find my mind still fairly sound. Nashville was the roughest But I know I've said the same About them all We received our education In the cities of the nation Me and Paul Almost busted in Laredo But for reasons that I'd rather not disclose But if you're staying in a motel there and leave, just don't leave nothing in your clothes. And at the airport in Milwaukee, they refused to let us board the plane at all. They said we looked suspicious, but I believe they like to pick on me and Paul. Buffalo, Willis and Kitty Wells and Charlie Pride. 
show was long and we was just sitting there And we'd come to play and not just for the ride And we drank a lot of whiskey So I don't know if we went on that night at all But I don't think they even missed us I guess Buffalo ain't geared for me and Paul Crying. You think it'd be like something like Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain or something, you know. I can't stop hearing me and Paul and uh, get halfway through it and just be, a, you know, the tears start and then they just don't stop. And it's not the cute little couple of tears, it's the snot drench, yeah. you know. As they call it, it's, you know. it's hiccup crying. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 you know, I've not thought about that, but I, I now that you mention it, I could definitely see that. Um, I could see that so easily. Um, yeah, and you know, and the beauty of, you know, and I think one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast is you get to share you know, how much music, and not just Bruce Springsteen, but just music as a total means to people. And, and you know, and it, you know, it goes back to the um, Beach Boys add some music to your day, you know, song, where it's just like, you know, you, you, you hear it and, and it, you know, and it, and it brings you back to that time. And, and, and there's, there's good, sad, and bad, sad, and you know, at times this is sad. Yeah. The, uh, and that also just encapsulates the. Uh, um, that actually is the one song about all the other songs, and the fact that she talks about you know, sometimes pain is precious. Sometimes yeah. it's you know, it makes us feel alive, and um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Well, Dean, this is amazing. I, I had a great time talking to you, and we will do this again. Um, you know, I appreciate you coming in and, and sharing your thoughts and, and kind of helping me, you know, kind of share a little bit of time together as brothers. If someone wants to reach out to you, do you have any contact you want to give? I know you're on Facebook, and I don't think you're on Twitter, are you? No, uh, uh, Dean Jackson on Facebook. Uh, okay. You can I'm LinkedIn with uh, Jesse. Okay. And uh, and if you want to send me an email, uh, my uh, friend email, uh, itsmedino at yahoo.com. It's medino at yahoo.com. Awesome. And I am at Jesse Jackson DFW on Twitter. Uh, the show is at SetLustingBruce. Uh, we have an email address at SetLustingBruce at gmail.com. And our voicemail is 214-736-3121. Um, if you want to join me and talk about maybe your family connections or your musical journey, I would love to have you. Dean, it has been too long since we've seen each other i gotta figure out how to get down to houston to, so that we can share coffee and hug each other's neck I, I know it has been too long since we've got to catch up in person but i am so happy we got to talk a little bit at least tonight uh definitely and uh maybe we can even uh maybe we can even ask the fans do you want to go ahead and set up a poll whether or not they think uh 
us doing a Star Trek podcast would be, you know, okay, except for the fact we'd probably kill each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do it and, out of love. I'm, I'm sorry, i got to get this to him because I yeah. promised in the beginning myself I'd have to have this. Yeah. Dang you ignorance. very nice well all right listeners thank you for listening dean thank you for being an amazing brother um i i I will go very sentimental for now as you listeners know i am fighting a little bit of a little bit of a health problem and uh dean has been very worried about me and uh very concerned i i feel your prayers dean and i know how much you love me and and trust me that has meant the world to me so thank you for that um and i think with that before i start crying we're going to call it a night so keep hope alive and um thank you everyone good night Much the time, time and memory fade away. We got our own roads to ride, and chances we got to take. We stood side by side, each one fighting for the other, and we swore to wait done. Today on Game of Thrones, correct? Yes, yes, I am. In fact, I, I just, I, I was supposed to be on a Game of Thrones podcast tonight, but I just was too tired, and the only reason I'm still up is I wanted to visit with you. So, yeah, it was. Uh, it's just been a long week already, and it's just Tuesday. So, yeah, I, I'm caught up, and I'm loving it. I think it's a great season so far. No, definitely. Uh, what's up? Completely agree. Um, um. I was curious what you thought uh, about, um, that's not you. What were your thoughts? Well, you know, I I think, you know, it's been pretty clear on the internet, and I I didn't catch anything. Um, That she's realizing that, you know, her wolf has been wild for all these years, and they, you know, she can't go back to just being, you know, a pet again. She And so that's Arya's kind of way of accepting the fact that, you know, she can't be what she's not. So. Okay. Uh, for some reason, that cut out halfway through, but, uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I purposely avoided uh, the internet because I wanted to be like you know what everybody else thought. Yeah. Uh, my take on it is it's it, back in the first season, like you, I think you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like laying out her life, and she's like, "That's not me." Right. Yeah, and, I think that's exactly what it is to me too. I think. 
And uh, I think that was uh, when she saw Hot Pie, it was like, okay, well, she could go back for a short period of time to being the happy girl. Well, not happy, but the lost girl whose foster dad beheaded and she's trying to get home. And Nymeria showing up reminds her that, no, nah, I can't. I can't go back, you know. Uh, and I think that uh, she won't end up going to home to House Stark. I don't think she'll go back up to the north. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't get that at all. In fact, I think she is going to go there and see her family. I think this is truly about she just knows her wolf can't go back to being a pet. That's what I took it for. Though I'll be curious to see uh, if you're right. I, I don't know if it will or not. That's an interesting take. Yeah, that's uh, uh, was my take on it. Is it's just uh, it's someone who's uh, she had no choice really, but she's just like she she had to do what she had to do to survive, and now she's someone who, you know, she could never go back to being Jon Snow's little sister. She could never go back to being Sansa's little sister. She's uh, a smart fire and assassin a wild creature and uh she can never go home and i think that uh that's what i took from it and i think it's going to be uh uh ultimately um she's like the hound she'll, she'll never have a home she'll always just be a you know uh sore fire I don't know. I, I just uh, so that's why I was curious what everyone else thinks. Everyone, a lot of other people are like you, or like just uh, uh, they think I'm reading too much into it. Yeah, I, I think we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I, I just I think it's more simple than that. But we don't know. We'll see. You know, I I, I certainly think that's a cool theory. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.